Good afternoon, good evening, good metal. My name's Cooper and welcome to the Spoken Metal Show. The return of Ogan, ladies and gentlemen. This is a show I never saw coming. I didn't think it, that this would be a show that I would be doing. I'm really glad that it is and I'm really glad that it's happening. On the 16th of July at North Shore Troubadour, Ogan return after a 14-year hiatus. And it's 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 an amazing little story with it what's going on. It's it's a really great story about people returning back to a scene and being away from a scene and having things happen within their lives and going back and finishing projects and starting things anew. It's I I really kind of enjoyed sitting down with with, with Andy and and Joe. Ogan were a band that were around when I was in a band. That's how long ago it was. And they were just a great, just a great band. They were playing all kinds of shows, and they always seemed to be around. and And then they kind of went away, and we talk about that. And now they're returning with a, a new lineup with new members, and it's just superb to first of all take a walk down memory lane and talk about the bands and all the great venues that are still with us and not, and some that have closed, and talk about what's changed in between that fourteen years. That's a long period of time. There's a lot's gone on in between them. And then for them to come back and do a show, and that shows with like Scare Tactics and Attic Theory and Damn Baby, and to come back and do that as a show is a great way to start again. Uh, almost criminally underlooked, you know, Ogan should should have been one of those bands that should have been a lot bigger, maybe because they only were around for a short period of time, almost like pre-social media, really. And now they come back, and it's going to be great to see them now playing many, many shows, and you're going to get to still... There's not an awful lot of recorded media for for Ogan, but now you're going to get to see it live and hear that as well as they produce new work and it's great that it's a lot of my friends are involved in this in this project there's a surprise uh, new member which we'll, we'll get there when we'll, we'll bury the lead right now uh, but obviously Joe Mortimer friend of the show Joe, Joe Mortimer and check out his episode where we sit down with him as well it's nice that loads of friends are doing going back and revisiting their projects. And it was just a, an interesting way of dealing with the pandemic to, to kind of reassess people's lives and reassess what they wanted to do musically. And now we have resources where we can do that and get it back again and to bring back a, a great band like Ogan. So I hope you, when you listen to the show, you get that from it because I just think it's a great, Andrew's a great guy and they're a really strong band. You know, they're, they're a thrash metal band that I'd seen a, a few times and we're just something of a stalwart to the scene. They were just playing, they played so many shows and it's just great to see that come back. And also it, it, it leans into the, you know, nothing's ever over. You don't know how life's going to work. How you don't know these things going to work. If you've got a project, if you're sitting less now and you go, I've got a project that I just kind of left and oh, too much time has passed or it's, it's, I haven't posted something on social media for 10 minutes. So my project mustn't exist anymore. It's all nonsense. You can come back whenever you want and you can bring things back and reassess stuff all the time. You've got projects that fell apart because you, didn't get on with certain members of the band, it fragmented. Think about that. Pick up the phone. Don't fucking social media. Go and see these people and say, listen, you know, you want to do an, an album, just a one-off album, go back and do this stuff. Try and sort of complete projects that you you maybe thought weren't completable. That's that's the one of the biggest lessons I got from this. But also that end life can take it any way. And whichever way it goes, try those waves and and see what happens. It doesn't have to be that, you know, you're gonna make an album so you can become a fucking rock star and play you know big festivals and all the rest of it and whatever you and tour the world or whatever you see the bands are meant to do simply doing projects and working with your friends is is, is an excellent way to see it Jim Mortimer is a great example of that I talked about all the time we're involved in a multitude of great projects you don't just have to do one band you just have to do one thing experiment look out there see what's available see what kind of people want to do and if there's nothing out there and nothing to the the people are doing create your own and bring in other musicians 
music's fantastic. You know, working with musicians is superb. It's a great thing. It's a wonderful thing that we have. And that's something that I think the story of Ogan is is worth hearing. So please, um, this is my interview with Andrew Evans and Joe Mortimer, The Return of Ogan. Ladies and gentlemen, what a this is a nice treat, and this is going to be this will be a, a, an amble down memory lane as well. I am joined by regular to and, and visitor to the show and alumni, if you will, of, uh, of spoken metal, Joe Mortimer, the fabulous Joe, and we're also joined by Andy, both now I can say of Ogan. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Hi there. What's happening? <laughs> so, Joe told me about this a while back uh, that you know that we're kind of Ogan, we're kind of. Coming back to life is, is is probably a nice way of putting it. Coming like back on the scene and stuff, and, and doing some shows and what have you. And I was like immediately blindsided by the name because at first I was like I fucking know the name, and then I had to go back and kind of see where I knew it from. But on your the Facebook thing, you've got pictures of all the um, of some of the shows that you played. Fucking hell, that was a <laughs> that took me back. Yeah, yeah we Andy, felt it. As I say, Andy's been gathering a lot of the old flyers. Uh, from a few of our friends and fans from back in the day, uh, getting them posted for a little bit of a, a throwback, just to uh, enjoy some of the um, share and enjoy some of the venues that we used to play and the uh, the bands that we used to play with. It's a nice little trip down memory lane. Yeah, yeah. like seeing the Barfly listed there and, and the Picket and uh, and uh, Metro Middle Raid and Multi-Purpose Chemical uh, and and Hollow Point before it became Scare Tactics. Like I was fucking yeah. boss to see that. Like. It's a name, but a few, to be fair. I mean, yeah. you know, the, the band back in the day when it was first active, uh, 2002 to 2008, uh, we played well over 100 shows across, you know, Liverpool and the Northwest. Only one mainly outside of there, which was in Kidderminster, which was hilarious to say the least. Um, mm-hmm. When the, the ex-singer and, you know, lead guitarist ended up blowing up his amp on that occasion and uh, had to, like, sheepishly ask, like, can I lend your amp kind of thing or we can't play? <laughs> we, just, we just drove to the middle of the country for nothing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, good times. Like, you know, plenty of uh, good support slots as well. Yeah, it was like at one point you were, you were very much the go-to band. You know, they were like, you know, just get Ogan playing. Like, it'll be just guaranteed good time, guaranteed good band. You know, it was very, uh, yeah, you were very much the name on everybody's lift, certainly on the heavier side. But for those that don't know, ladies and gentlemen, um, uh, Ogan represents um, the very best in Scouse metal, if you, if you will, if you're ever, <laughs> if you're looking for Scouse metal, this is it. These are good purveyors of it, Scouse thrash metal, being even. And um I suppose that I mean, let, let, the obvious question is then, why come back and why re, re, re-energize this project and and why now? It's a good question. Uh, I suppose I'll go first, Joe, and then obviously you can jump in, mate, and add add when you want. But um, literally, I think across the lockdown period, uh, obviously with COVID and everything that's just gone down, uh, we all had a lot of time to sort of you know, take sight and stock of what we, we, we're all about and what we enjoy as people. And a lot of isolation periods lead you into doing your hobbies a little bit more, I suppose, uh, whether that's gaming or, you know, playing your guitar, etc. cetera. Um, what it meant for me was I actually play in a band uh, called Rockzilla. We do, like, rock karaoke stuff. And I, that's actually with Danny, who's in Ogun as well at the minute. And uh, basically, we were just 
doing some sessions for that practicing for them so basically it's like you know queen covers metallica covers megadeth all that and basically the premise is we allow the uh the crowd members to get up and become the front man or front woman and uh, we print out the lyrics and let them just rock out with the live band experience and Literally, I was just sitting in, in the practice with Danny and we were just like jamming away a few tunes, you know, some of the well-known uh, riffs from back in the day. And I was like, still sounds kind of fresh, this, doesn't it? You know, 16, 17 years on. And he was just like, yeah, it's, it's sick. Like, And I was like, it's boss, like, but, uh, you know, would you ever think about doing it again? Um, now, there was a time where we were thinking about, you know, bringing this back before this date. But uh, due to a few other things and family commitments, some of the band members couldn't do it. Other members then moved on to other projects. For example, Craig Miles, who's now with Oceanus, was the bass player for Ogan in the in the second stint from about 2006 onwards. But yeah, basically, um, just after a, you know a, that little jam session and like you know listening back to it, because back in in the day in Pirate, you used to be able to get these recordings back and and listen back to them with something called Open Live. They've actually stopped doing that now. I've told them it's a terrible feature to have lost because it was really cool listening back to all the mess ups that you've done and you know. But also for this, we were just listening. It was kind of fresh and. I suppose it just it comes on to uh, to speaking then to, to people when I was actually out with like you know Joe now as well Joe Mortimer just out having a few beers um, I mentioned obviously about the band and talking to Danny about Oak and stuff back in the past and saying you know we were playing a few of the riffs still stands and like like they've got a bit of life in them and uh, I was just like I'm thinking about potentially like getting it all back going and just recording an album because there's a lot of stuff that we didn't quite get round to recording with the old lineup. Um, and then basically, yeah, it came in, basically, <laughs> it came into a fruition with Joe that we started speaking about this. And, and yeah, Joe can probably take it from there. Like, Yeah, from there, we were just having conversations, just like, you know, as, as you were saying, where we were hanging out as friends, and he was like, oh, yeah, he's been talking. I was like, well, just, just do it. In this day and age, compared to, you know, 15 to 20 years ago, it's considerably easier to... Uh, you know, to self-record, to do bits at home, to prepare things than it was back then. You know, technologies came along, uh, you know, a lot with uh, like you know, home interfaces and you know stuff like that. Obviously, individuals in the band, their positions had changed a lot. So um, I was just, I, I, at the time, I wasn't even suggesting my involvement, or I was trying to push them because, for personally, for me. Hogan were one of the first local bands that I start, ever saw live when I was a teenager. I went to college with Paul and uh, and I knew like all of the guys from hanging around at the court and hanging around in Quiggins. So it was, uh, for me, it was just like, the, for, it would be an amazing throwback to see Hogan back on the scene again. So I was like, just do it. And then Andy was saying, well, I don't think, uh, I don't think it's going to be the full original lineup, but I think it may be, a, uh, it'll be definitely the core of Andy and Danny. Um, um, would I like to come on and do bass? Because uh, prior to their breakup, I'd actually played a couple of their final shows in the Mask and in the Hotel California. Uh, not that I'd remember the songs from that far, from that far <laughs> back, but uh, I would um, definitely had some at least association with the band. So it wasn't just a completely fresh uh, name and fresh blood with the band. But I said, I, I, he said, uh, would you want to get involved, record the uh, the album, and play a couple of uh, play a couple of shows so absolutely it'll be nice to have uh you know the 
newer recordings of the songs just so they can be available for people to listen to because the EPs and the releases and demos that we had back in the day aren't available anywhere other than uh, a couple of CDRs which may have been made back in the day. So it'd be nice to get new updated versions of all the songs and put them out there for release. Because when, uh, when, when you were kind of existing sort of 2002, like you say, it, it, it was a different landscape. It was a different world. You know, the, the internet was there, but not nowhere near as kind of accessible as it was. And like you say, you know, you truly can record an album in a bedroom now. You could do it back then, but it still required like outboard gear and stuff like that. And it was still very difficult. Plus, uh, you know, organizing gigs and stuff and putting on gigs was an entirely, entirely different prospect then. You know, 2002 might as well have been 1982 for all the difference it would have made. It was a completely different time frame, wasn't it? You know, I mean, some of those venues that you mentioned there either don't exist or have radically changed as well then. I mean, going back to 2002, Andy, do you remember the first shows? Do you remember where they were and do you remember what they were like? So, <clears throat> the strangest story about the first ever uh, Ogan show was that we weren't actually officially a band until the day of our first show, which was crazy. <laughs> so, that was back on the uh, the 4th of July, 2002. We played a place called The Basement on North John Street. <laughs> now, the building's still there. I don't think the actual venue's the same. Um, it goes back to, um, basically... The, the, the ex-drummer in Ogan, Richie Higgins, he had another band which practically upped and left him um, before a show. And, and like a, a mutual friend of ours, like John Power, um, who was in a band called Septic Messiah at the time, he uh, basically lived around the corner from me and, and just knocked on my door and was like, Hey Andy, don't you and Paul need a bass player and looking to like start a band? Hey, sorry, a drummer and looking to start a band? Um, blah blah blah. I was like, well, yeah, we we do actually want to do something like that. This is back and way back when, you know, it was me, Paul, and a, a guy called Mike Duff who was actually playing with bass with John's band as well. Uh, later in, in the time, it's not that long ago. It's all a bit of a mess, but you know, <laughs> uh, literally, <laughs> it came down to like, well, I found this guy. His band kind of like swerved him, and. Um, do you want to see what you can do? And we've got a gig tonight and you can take their slot. And um, myself and Paul had discussed the name of Ogan and the origins of it from actually um, an English anthology booklet when we were in uh, school. And it was like an African god of metalwork and like iron. And uh, I just thought, what what better like name to have than like, you know, the god of metal. Like, you know, even though at the time it was arguable, we were a bit more grunge. Right. Um, but, you know, Ogan definitely had influences from a very early day of, you know, your Metallica's, um, the Megadeths of the world, stuff like that. So, although it didn't initially start as a thrash band, it was very grungy to begin with. That's mainly a lot of a lot of Paul's influence at the time and, and, and myself as well, I suppose. We were listening to, you know, Nirvana, Alice in Chains, stuff like that. Um, and yeah, we, t- we took it from there. So basically we went round to, to Richie's house, um, straight the way up, up to the third floor to where he had his drum kit set up in his bedroom and just started practicing cover songs for this this first ever show that we were going to play, basically. like um, It was crackers, but there you go. That's how it went down. It's, yeah. it's amazing. It's amazing that, like, ladies and gentlemen, they, they someone knocked on someone else's door 
and asked if they could join their band. That just wouldn't happen now, would it? It would just be like, I DM this guy, and he sent Send me a message, WhatsApp. and he sent me a YouTube link to him playing the song, and blah, 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 blah. And there's a wonderful uh, organicness about someone knocking on someone's door and going, you want to play in a band? And then going and kind of just literally thrashing it out. So I, I, I remember the basements. I remember that venue. It used to be at one point, um, they would hold, uh, illegal raves there and everything. It was uh, it was like the Wild West back then, venues. Venues like the Wild West, and it was a, a glorious time. So then when you started to you start to play, you start to play shows, what's the what's the scene like in Liverpool then with metal and the heavy side of music around that time? So the two early two thousands. What what would you depict that? Well, at this point, we don't know a lot of other metal bands that exist on the scene. We'll go more about that a, a little bit later on. You know, yeah, Hollow Points, as you previously mentioned, just like Obsolete, BDV, Zabrowski, shitload of other bands knocking around that we don't know about at this moment in time. But literally for, for us, um, you know, the picket and the dry bar gigs were the, the, the core points of where we made friends and a lot of like fans along with just hanging around the courts um you know back in the day you know at, at this age i'm like 16 17 you know just like starting up playing guitar still like in school you know just ending to go to, to college or whatever it's it's you know a cool time of your life but just basically yeah knocking around looking around seeing what's out there but i would say the dry bar in the picket is, is where we found out there was actually like you know, a scene out there, so to speak, all albeit that some nights we'd be put on with rap artists and yes. there'd be mixed crowds and it'd just be like a, a complete mixed bag. But um, you know, that 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 moment when you do find out that like hollow points exist and further mm. down the line, a little bit obsolete exist and black death Valky, you know, BDV, all these guys are just out there waiting waiting to the play play those to shows. Everybody now uh, communicates uh, with the communities online. That's fine. That, that's how that's how we've moved on. But back, like uh, like what Andy talks about, is at the top, um, quite close to where the, the waterfront is and the uh, and the three graces and stuff and the library buildings. There's a there's a large open space with a, a statue of Queen Victoria, and it's by the law courts, and that's why uh, up by it says up by the courts. And around there, uh, back in in the day. And every city's got this in every country to some degree around that time would have a group of people who would meet there. It would either be there or a place called Quiggins, outside Quiggins, which was a shop that sold metal T-shirts and band T-shirts and all that type of thing. And this is where you would meet people of similar persuasion. It'd be like, oh, well, you're into that band because you're wearing that T-shirt or you're into that music. And you start and you would share you know, bands and stuff like that. This was still pre-big internet. And that, that's what I remember. I used to play in my band at, at the at the pickets and there'd be now a, a, a gig was is properly curated you won't look at the stuff that joe's doing uk Slamfest, and it's very you know this is the show and this is what we're doing and he's the band's play and it's curated to be a great show back then at the pickets it was a free-for-all you could go on after an indie band before an acoustic duo and it, there was absolutely no rhyme reason but i don't give a fuck people just go well the next band's a metal band so if you like metal you want to watch this and it was in this like almost tiny sort of quite long room I remember having some of the best gigs I've ever had there because you had to win over a crowd. The problem, yeah, exactly the really same. Didn't give a fuck. Yeah, I loved it. I loved playing the pickets. You know, um, it was it was just as I say, it was the main venue for us when we got in, when we got going. That was like where we made a lot of our contacts and actually put a lot of our shows together. 
Um, I remember, like, the first ever time we got, like, a little mini interview in a section in, like, a printed booklet, and I just thought it was the best thing ever, <laughs> just seeing my name printed in a booklet. And, you know, we, we're going back to the days here where, like, if you wanted to meet your mate, as you say, at, at, uh, at the courts, none of us had phones or nothing, so I'd, like, speak to my mate Baz at the time, you know, um, Baz Massey, and just be like, do you want to meet here at, like, 12 o'clock next week? And, like, you know, you just start to hang around and hope that they turn up, you know. Um, yeah. It was There was no, like, texting your mates or just giving them a quick bell, one bell on the phone. Like, you know, um, kids these days just don't know what they've got with the tech they've got. Like, I think, but, yeah, I think what's happened I'm like now, a granddad now, don't I? <laughs> we, we, all, we all sound older than we are. But it's like, it just, I think it's the buy-in. I talk about this a lot on the show that, you know, because some music so widely available, it almost becomes widely disposable. So you would listen to something and you go, okay, well, I don't like that in two or three minutes and it's gone. Or, you know, you move on to the next thing or whatever it may be. When you're back, when you, it wasn't as accessible, it was like finding something really, really precious. If you heard about a band or you got a CD, it was very, very precious. And and that's something that we've had to learn to move to something else now with this this the the, the the new generation listening to music and how they experience it. They've they've got a different value concept of how it how it's based. But I think like I mean, certainly around two thousand two, it wasn't a bad scene in Liverpool. It was still pretty good. There was bands still coming through. We still had the Royal Court about then, I think. We're still playing shows there. I remember Pantera playing there and Rage Against the Machine playing there and Cypress Hill and, and, and bands like that playing there around that time as well. It was still pretty good. Um, I think even Nirvana played there at, at one point. So there was still the, the, the kind of growth of it. So did you ever have aspirations to get out the city then and go, OK, well, should we go to that there London or, you know, go somewhere else further afield? The aspirations were, were, were partially there, I suppose, yeah, but at the time, uh, none of us drove, uh, so we, we relied on, like, one one time when we did actually get out there to the Midlands, um, as I say, Kidderminster, as, of all the places, you know, we just randomly met this fella on a, for, a metal forum, and he was like, do you want to do a gig swap, and we'll do a gig in Liverpool, and you do a gig up our end. Uh, but we actually relied on on two of our mates, uh, Vicky and Cheryl, to drive us down in the cars, you know, because none of us could drive. It was crackers. And then, you know, the people who were coming to watch us, the, the hardcore fans, so to speak, you know, getting on the trains and stuff and, like, bouncing down, like, halfway to, through the middle of the country to come and watch us and support us. Um, but unfortunately, you know, it's, it's the links and, like, finding out you know, who, who's actually got a gig and who wants to put on this, like, Scouse band, you know, the Scouse metal band, who are just, like, no one's really heard of them. As as you say, there's no music online at this point, apart from, like, you know, MySpace. Some people could upload stuff back then. I wasn't that technical. I didn't know how to really do all that. We had our CDs and stuff, which we, you know, had a, f- a four-track EP and a, and a three-track, which followed later around about 2007. But, um, yeah, it was just difficult to get the contacts, which seems absolutely crazy to say now because, obviously, it's, it's changed so massively over that time period, whereas now you can you can link in so easily, as, as Joe will probably tell you. You know, he, he, he with his bands has gone all across Europe, you know, which is great. But, yeah, for us, I it think, just yeah, never I really came it about. It just more aspirational, doesn't it? It's like once you realise you can and someone else does... You go, okay, so you can go to Europe, it's not a million miles away, and you can go to this place and that place. It becomes 
possible. But at the time, like you say, you're not you're not seeing that happen out there. You're not seeing people do that. So it seems almost like it's on the fucking moon, you know, at that at that stage where it's like yeah. it's unattainable. I, is that, I seem that to recall like in, sorry, does that play a part in the, in, in, in why Ogan doesn't continue? There's there's multiple factors with regards to that, but um you know uh, I, I had a friend who, who like actually runs Damnation Festival at the minute. Uh, Gav is he's one of the main guys who runs that at the moment. And I remember back in the day, we were um, you know we were talking about when the festival was actually initially first set up back in Manchester. Um, there's a, there's a core group of about seven to eight different people who were all putting money to 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 join and make this new festival. Um, he knows that I'm in an active band at the time, and you know it's just sort of like you know. Can, can we make this show kind of thing? And I just remember at the time that the main like focus of the band wasn't really to go out and maybe not, not so much my aspiration to not do it, but like, you know, some of the other members maybe weren't as keen on, on just going, you know, 30 miles down the road to play Manchester just for the simple fact that we don't know the crowd, they won't know our songs kind of thing or that kind of vibe. But I mean... Yeah. I suppose that's how people get to know the stuff, but it's, you've just got to go with the majority. Yeah, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because you're like, now, if you go to see a band you haven't heard before, you'll go on your various stream and you will listen to that band and you'll have some idea of what they're about and not decided you're going to watch them and all the rest of it. You know, we're still talking back then, even in the early 2000s, where you, if you couldn't hear anything by a band, you might not even know what they, 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 they look like or anything. You might not know even what type of music they play. You know, it's like... It does seem like another world, another country entirely, doesn't it? Yeah, it's West how much everything's just advanced on so so much like. But um so, do you have do you have what memories do you have of some of the shows then? Because I saw that one with multipurpose chemical and I saw the one with Metro Manaraid and Hollow Points, I think I've seen that one as well. I remember that I, I pretty I have a pretty good memory of some of those shows like. Yeah, there's been loads. I mean, some of the ones that stuck out, I mean, I think we did something stupid like four gigs in three days at one point. <laughs> uh, one of them was like mashing the Hub Festival at like 12 o'clock right in the middle and then playing somewhere further outfield in the night, you know, again. Um, but there's a lot of a lot of memorable shows, I suppose. One of them that sticks out for me um, was basically the, the first one where we met Hollow Point. Um, we got put up magically on the same bill at a you know at a gig at the dry the dry bar at the picket, and at that point you know that's when we knew that like we we approached like Andy and Stu and was just like I think your band's pretty cool like we heard you in sound check and just want to like t- try and team up and make this happen again in the future you know Ogan and Hollow Point moving forward and I think at that point they were probably thinking the same about us like wow yeah look at this other like rock hard rock, you know, alternative band that are out here. Uh, moving further down and towards the, the later part of, of the career, you know, when we were, like, doing further shows, we played the K1 with um, supporting Lauren Harris. Oh, and yeah. uh, Steve Harris was in the crowd, bass player from Iron Maiden, obviously. We were just like, okay, this is mental because we're going to actually play a show to, like, a person who's in one of the biggest heavy metal bands not only of, of like the UK but of the world, and he's standing there watching us, and you know, like looking like he's pretty digging the kind of stuff that's coming out. You know, it's it's intense and it's just crazy looking at that. Um, but yeah, there's there's lots of lots of good shows and good memories. But as I say, it's over a hundred plus shows that we played back in the day. It's hard to just pigeonhole a few, even though I, I probably just have played. But... 
<laughs> Joe, Joe, do you remember seeing him then around this time? What was the sort of first time you'd see Ogun then? Yeah, I remember seeing Ogun a few times at the dry bar gigs with the uh, like the likes of Obsolete, Hollow Point, uh, Skeptical Messiah. Um, but I also I think the standout show for me was when they supported um, Byzantine and Gutworm in. Uh, oh, in the yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was like, uh, like yeah, that was in the K two. I think there's a picture of that online as well. And um, yeah, because I was uh, I was a fan of Ogun as like a, a local support as a local band, and I was a fan of Byzantine. They just released their album, and they will pick up Serpents, I believe it was. And uh, I remember going to see the show. And I was like, this is going to be an amazing show. And it was one of those uh, shows, which was uh, it was a quality show, but I think there was only maybe 20, 30 people there. Um, but yeah, I was going. I was going to a lot of the shows in uh, there were some shows in Hammers Bar as well in uh, the previous incarnation uh, on Hardman Street. Uh, yeah. Uh, before it uh, before it had been redone with the uh, before they got rid of the outdoor area. We had the little up, up, upstairs stage, and a whiplash used to put some shows on up there as well. Once upon a time, um, but yeah, I remember seeing them a few times there. Also out uh, up in Armskirk in the in the Comrades Club as well. Yeah, oh, that held that held a special what? place for us what as well. About? The Comrades it was boss. <laughs> What's so great venues they bringing some memories back and names about Byzantine as well. What a fucking underrated band they were, or are I should say. You yeah, fucking hell. There's so so many great bands and it felt like really was like there was a nice movement of stuff like there was nice sort of a real scene big beginning you know really interesting at that time frame for me certainly me in, in the bands i was in as well i mean and are you some of something of then the curator of ogre have you got all the posters and the tickets and, and and that like thing that reviews and stuff like that have you collected all that have you still got all that i've got yeah, I've got quite a bit of, of stuff, but um, memorabilia, not, if you will. Yeah, not not all of it, you know. It's not the stuff that I wish I still had that I don't. But yeah. I think that might still exist out, out in other places with other people like who used to follow the band. Uh, as I say, recently, you know, with the, the the gig posters from the past that we were posting up to, you know, create a bit of hype that was obviously leading up to the big announcement that we went to for the comeback show um the, the idea was to you know from from joe to let's let's see if we can create a little bit of a, a push and a vibe and see if we can create any you know nostalgia about these previous shows that have been out there and i was like well look at what i found here i've got a shitload of stuff mm-hmm. there's obviously stuff that's missing but uh there's enough there to actually get people excited and there's you know some some really cool names that went on to do really good stuff in the local scene and also like some some pretty sick sign bands as well that we supported that we've obviously lost the flyer for, you know, Necrophagus being another massive death metal band. Why we got that slot as a thrash band, I'll never know, but <laughs> I'm absolutely was in awe of, of standing there watching them, you know, just absolutely shredding the shit out of the stage at the uh, the theatre and the, and the mask. The mask? But, yeah. Hell, what a venue yeah. that was. That was. I've seen so many, back around that time, there was so many good, good bands coming i'd like to for those that don't know ladies and gentlemen it's a, it's a venue in liverpool and downstairs is like kind of almost like a half bowl like that you would stand on these kind of raised platforms if you were around a half bowl it was when it was like a theater it was mass theater it was when it's like a, a race area and i i seen so many great bands that came through there it was such a fucking great sort of thing because it was almost like perfectly designed for a gig it was just amazing the mask like fucking even looking through some of those photos brought like so many memories back of the whole scene and the whole history that's that's gone on a lot of these 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 shows that we're talking about were very key shows that whiplash when she was on the show 
we're, we're talking about these particular uh, particular events and how important they are. And it's interesting even now, like so, you know, some 20 years, 15, 20 years on, that we still talk about those shows because it just shows you how important and how um, how much of an indelible uh, thing they put on a scene that they can be signposted of like, look, this scene was moving in the right direction and this was moving forward. And that's really powerful that the people see that that was a attainable, uh, be possible and see is something that should happen within the, the city. Um, so, I mean, we'll talk about it now. We've got the show coming up and that's the, the 16th of July, right? Correct. Yeah. And so that, that, that poster, when I saw it, I thought that that could have been a poster from, 15 years ago and i thought that that was glorious because it's good all we would do is change some of the names around and maybe some of the members around essentially but it, it could have been then like so you have um scare tactics formerly hollow point and uh, you have attic theory which has got tim in from zabrowski connection uh who else have we got on the bill i'm missing someone i'm missing two aren't i Oh, just one more, yeah. It's uh, Dan Bibby in the aesthetic knobs. In the, the aesthetic knobs. So it's like that there, that bill could have took place like, you know, some 15, 20 years ago. I, I, the minute I saw that, I just like a massive smile across my face. But there is an interesting thing to all of this, gentlemen, that there is a new member to Ogan, right? Well, yeah, there's two new members, but you know, obviously, about Joe already. And yeah, the, the yes, final so- piece of the puzzle is. Um, our friend Neil Meller, who uh, many people may know from Curly Music in town. Yes. Uh, so Neil's been on the show. Uh, he was one of the first guests we talked to because he's, for those that know uh, and, and listen to the show, uh, he's a, a fantastic guitarist, guitar teacher. He's been in a number of bands, he's in a Motorhead tribute band and stuff, and, and he's a great player. And around that sort of time, he was also you know, carving out his thing as well. If you listen back to the episode where we talked to Neil, he talks all about that time in the bands he was going to see. That's an um, that's akin, if I could put it that way, that's akin to um, Kirk Hammett joining Metallica once they get rid of Mustaine. That's the way I that's, that's how I saw that. Neil's gonna love that comment, <laughs> I think so too. I, I can just imagine it. <laughs> big shout out to Neil because he's that good a player and it'll fit perfectly. I mean, I've already seen some of the footage of you guys playing and uh, kind of doing your practice and for, for the show and he does he just fits in like you know exactly like Hammett did in that in back, back in, the, in, in the early Metallica days how did that come about then meeting Neil and approaching Neil uh, there's a few important links with that but it all roots back to, to Danny Lightfoot you know Danny is now the drummer in uh, the Motorhead tribute band that Neil plays in as well Um, basically back in the day we were running as I said, as I mentioned, Rockzilla, the rock karaoke project as well, um, which I was in with Danny all along. Uh, we're playing with Ian McCormick on, on bass rather than, you know, Joe in this project. And um, we had a few guitarists step in, you know, um, and play a few live shows with us. You know, back, back in the day, we had like Phil Dyer playing on guitar for us in Rockzilla. We've had Andy Barker, you know, all great guitarists in their own respect um, and when the time came for, for them to actually, you know um, Dan Moran's actually played the show with us as well of Reaper fame um, you know, when the time came to, to get a, another guitarist in because other other people actually obviously move on with, with what they're doing uh, their own project, you know um, Danny mentioned, you know, why don't we ask Neil and I was thinking, fucking hell, like there's no way <laughs> the Neil Mella will join, you know. Uh, <laughs> the Neil Mella. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's no way he's going to join like this, you know, this glorified fucking rock project that goes around and and plays, you know, live karaoke to the masses and just, you know, slams out some really cool 80s, 90s metal tunes and, and stuff. You know, it, it's definitely not going to be his vibe. And Danny sort of like was steering me against it and, and saying, I think he might be surprised. So I said, go ahead, then stick out the feelers. Let's see what's going down. Uh, and and that, that was that really, you know, Neil basically, you know, checked it out and, and was down with the idea. He thought it was cool, you know, the idea of letting someone else come up and be a different front man or front woman for every single song that you play. Um, or alternatively failing that, you know, I'll, I'll take it over the vocals for the tracks where people don't want to get up. Um, there's some that obviously I naturally will struggle with when we're doing like journey tunes and like Guns and Roses and stuff like Queen. that. <laughs> Queen tracks, yeah, absolutely. But um yeah, fantastic vibes from that. And then literally when, when the opportunity come about for us to to do this project, we were thinking, look, we need someone in to play the live stuff, you know, um, but also possibly to, to help with the recording as well. And obviously his name's very high up on top of that list, you know. So we had a few, you know, shortlist candidates, I suppose, when we're thinking round and just blasting ideas out. But Neil's absolutely 100% up there. Once again, not knowing what he would be like with the whole thrash scene, you know, is is that, you know, going to fit straight in? And absolutely, you know, he's he's just took it took to it like a duck from water you know it's like there's a few moments where he said he he might need a, a pneumatic drill with a plectrum attached to get some of the down <laughs> picking that we're going to be doing and stuff like that at the bpm but uh yeah it's great and you know it was boss to get everyone together um i think it was like the eighth of this this month that's our first full proper practice neil's uh going through learning all the back catalogue of the tracks and that's so how many, how many tracks was, how many tracks was there? Was there was there quite a fair clutch of them or what are we how many are we looking at? There's a few that we've missed out, but um what we're looking to revamp and put put onto this album, there's gonna be twelve tracks. Right. Um from from the past. There's obviously more than that, but uh, I just deemed, you know, and picked ones which I thought would still be like, you know, relevant. What's what's forward. that like, Andy, when you go from like almost a you know, twenty, fifteen, twenty year absence? And then going into a room with most of the guys and certainly the music that you started and launching into that first song. What's that like again? It's mad. Yeah, it's mental. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's boss it's boss though, because like I'm playing music now to like people that maybe wouldn't have heard it on the first run. You know, I know right. for a fact that like Neil wouldn't have heard this these tracks and you know, I'm sat there like, you know, playing tracks to me, he's going, it's boss this i'm into this and i'm like you know grinning from here to here just thinking this is boss like the someone's still actually getting a vibe off this and that's what's just really solidifying the fact that we're doing the right thing here and you know bringing it back um it always sort of like was something what i, I would have liked to have carried on back in the day but as i say just other other commitments other things going on it wasn't necessarily you know just one thing it was an, a number of factors that led to the band stopping there was a brief moment, as I say, around 2012 where things could have come back. But Danny was um, with his with his wife, you know, was was ha- having kids at the time, and he just didn't know if he had the time and the commitment to do it at that point. But obviously, we've revisited it a little bit later on down the line now, where his kids are a bit older, and you know, everything else is is just falling into place with with the rest of the lads for the the lineup. I think it's wonderful that 
we we're in a world now where we can resurrect projects and change things around and do that and there's there's no rules almost anymore we can do that that you know if you had a band in, in, in high school or whatever then you can go back and bring this band back out again and do these things and and create new music and create new things and show people you know why the fuck not why is why is there somehow some kind of date you know best before on on music it just doesn't exist you know just it shouldn't it and shouldn't exist and i think we're in a really nice time now where we can do that and i think if the pandemic give us anything, it give us a moment where people went back and looked at their previous bands that they were in projects. And I know Joe definitely did this and went, you know what? Let's finish that album and let's do that show and let's do this clutch of shows and let's record that thing together that we didn't, we, you know, we didn't have time to do. So, you know, it'd become like a, an interesting moment where you went, you know what? I'll just do all the projects that I wanted to now. Or, you know, the, the sky's the limit. I don't know. Is that what you felt, Joe? Yeah, absolutely. It's a good opportunity to kind of uh, uh, mop up, uh, you know, a lot of kind of half ideas and, you know, put together demos and you know, experiment. Like as soon as the lockdown began, the first thing I did was bought, bought an interface. I kind of got all of the appropriate software. You know, I got, I got my own door. I've got like Guitar Pro and I got uh, trained myself on a bunch of different things. And I was like, right, you know, if this is going to be, if I've at the time, it was like, oh, so we've got four weeks uh, at home. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna spend an extra weeks trying to be proactive and, you know, put some time into the project projects that I missed out on previously. Uh, just to, so happened that that four weeks turned into considerably many more weeks, and um, you know, a lot of other ideas uh, started to pop up. And I was like, okay, so I can, you know, I can put a draw a line under this. I can put a fork in that. And then other ideas were coming up. Uh, personally, and as I've discussed with myself before, group as well, I've been involved in a number of kind of internet collaborations and playthrough videos and cover, uh, you know, cover songs. Like there was one collaboration I did which, uh, with four guys from uh, the US in various bands that I knew over there, uh, where we did a cover of a, uh, a Black Dahlia Murder track, which seems uh, very appropriate at the moment following the recent passing mm -hmm. of Trevor. Um, and that was then featured on Metal Ejection's Slay at Home, uh, which was a, a monthly kind of um, collaboration online show that she did with uh, various collaborations between different metal musicians around the world. And so that it was all of these brand new opportunities which had kind of built up from this, you know, position that we did put into. So I, I guess, you know, a lot of that was fueled to the, the Oregon fire, really. You know, but, you know, we have discussions were being had. Yes, this can happen. Why shouldn't it happen? Why can't it happen? Um, and then, yeah, it's led us to where we are now. I think um, I think that one of the things that I certainly want to put across, because that's how I, how I feel about it, and certainly the, 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 the songs that I know by Ogun, is that this isn't, this, ladies and gentlemen, isn't a nostalgia piece here. You're going to get nostalgia vibes from this show because it's the bands that are playing. But this is now a project, and it's got wheels, and it's and it's a thing. Now you you said, Andy, that this now it's this is leading to an album, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. I just thought you know there were seven tracks that were covered um, in the past across two two EPs with the band. There was a lot of stuff out there that we didn't get a chance to put down. Um, that I felt you know was to, especially towards the end. A lot of the the stuff we were coming out with towards the back end of, of when you know before the band stopped was really good shit um, and I just thought like you know we've missed an opportunity there by not getting this down and it always sort of just like stuck with me a little bit and I just thought 
it'd be nice one day. You know, maybe, maybe you know, we'll we'll get it all back together someday at, at one point. You know, uh, and and little did we know that that would take fourteen years in the global pandemic to uh, to bring it back, but it did, and I'm glad it did. And um, yeah, as as I say, you know, we've we've spoken with with ex members. You know, uh, they know that the, the program is coming ahead, and we're, we're doing what we're doing. What I've done is I've used this opportunity as as I'm moving on to the vocals now um, to basically keep, as you say, the vibe of the tracks. But a lot of it has been lyrically rewritten now because it's you know I'm going to be singing it. Mm. Um, a lot of I've, I've I've taken like you know the names of the tracks and what I felt they were about back in the day from the the former frontman and just basically adapted them now into like try and tell different stories and stuff for what. I feel now that song represents and tried to put my, my twist on it a little bit. So that's been really fun and, and you know, challenging um, in its own respect. There's, there's, you know, there's been moments which I've really loved and others where I've just sat there for hours looking at, at lyrics going, oh God, am I going to be able to do this? Can I actually like, you know, make this happen kind of thing? There's, there's a track that I'm currently writing for at the minute that even way back, you know, when when it was written, it was just simply called Harmony Riff in D, um, which is, you know, basically like... We've all got that. We had, yeah, we've yeah, all got those. <laughs> this idea, and I'm sure it had lyrics back at the, in the time, and, you know, uh, Paul, the former the former frontman, would be the only person to, to tell you what the lyrics actually were, because the only version that I know that existed, this is from a live version of Quiggins, which was recorded by Tony Davies, who's a, you know, was and still is a fan of the band, uh, who travelled up from Wales to, to come and watch us, and he, he brought his camcorder and filmed the whole show for us. So stuff does exist from back in the day. It's just um, the only other footage that I know of is that from the comrades, and it's literally just like, you know, filmed on a phone, and the sound's like... <laughs> you know, because... The, technology back then was just shit in comparison to what we've got now you yeah. wouldn't you wouldn't you know it's like the whole thing where the school teacher used to tell you like you better learn this now and how to write down mathematics because you'll never ever have a time where you're walking around with the calculator in your pocket and you're like yeah i'm not i'm walking around with a mini computer you know with a camera and a recorder and everything it's just crackers so here's, here's the thing then andy knowing what you know now so we're like 15 20 years like i say removed from starting the band and the last shows and stuff and all that type of thing. And you, you saw the advent of the internet and what that changed music and that type of thing. Are you able to see now what's coming up from a, a, a technology and a music point of view? Are you able to look at it and go, actually, we need to get on this now because I've seen this happen before where we haven't got onto a particular social media thing or we haven't got onto a particular way of doing things and, and it's passed us by. Are you able to see that as subjectively? Sort of like leaning a little bit at the minute on Joe for his expertise because he's <laughs> you know he's done it all at the minute, hasn't he? With everything, you know, he's in pretty much every single UK death metal band in existence, <laughs> and now he's now he's become you know Jogan, so you know we've yeah. self-proclaimed nickname and it's going to stick. You know, it's mega. You, you couldn't have you couldn't have waited the game more to yourself. You've got. Neil Meller, who's like you, arguably one of the best players in the Northwest, if not further afield, whose huge knowledge of the uh, uh, of of guitar is is you know legend. And then 
and he's also going to help you with with recording because he's he's, he's he's super on top with that. And then you throw in Joe Mortimer, who gets his own fucking avatar when they redo Streets of uh, Street Fighter Two, and he gets his own avatar <laughs> representing Death Metal. Mega. That's how well known he is, and he's yeah. been like you say in every single Death Metal band that's ever existed twice. It's like you really are setting yourself off to a, a great start. So this feels like one of two things collectively. It feels like the end of you going all those ideas and all those things I wanted to finish. This will be that, and then a start to go, okay, now that, that's what Ogan is. This is what Ogan is going to go and become. Is that is that fair enough to say, Andy, or not? Yeah, I mean, initially when things were first, you know, spoke about, it was like, let's get this all down. Let's get the, you know, the record done. Uh, maybe we'll play a live show or two. We, we've got a little bit of unfinished business. It always really grounds on me that the, as a Scouse metal band, you know, from Liverpool, we played our last ever show on the Whittle. Um, right. which was a bit like, you know, <laughs> I was just like, come on, like, can we not just have like one more show where we just do this, you know, one more time, uh, but make sure it's like a home show this time. It never, ever came about. I mean, I'm not saying that that's the main reason why everything's kicking off now, because obviously it's not, but it's great to have that opportunity, albeit that the venues now are a lot more on the ground than what they were back in the day. Um you know, we, we were in, uh, we spoke briefly last night in the Zanzibar, you know, um, we played there many, many, many times with the band back in the past, you know, with Tony as well. He used to love the metal, putting the metal bands on, the former owner. Um, as we know now, it's um, it's changed hands. The Zanzibar is a little bit of a different place. It's it's amazing what they've done with the venue. But sound-wise, it's currently, you know, a, a, a completely different world to what it used to be. Um, but yeah, no, we, we want to get out there. We want to go and do as, you know, what we can do now. And if, if opportunities arise, I'm sure that we will move forward. What What's really interesting is that um, one of the tracks that, that we've we've worked on did did have an outro at the time, but I was just sort of like, couldn't really remember how it went. And we didn't really have any sort of like footage to go back on to see what, what we were thinking of. So it ended up, you know, me, Joe and Danny in a rehearsal room actually like, writing the first piece of music, albeit just a 30-second stomp outro to one of the tracks. But it was something fresh that, you know, we hadn't yeah. done. Um, and it, it felt good, you know, putting that together and getting that done. And it, it certainly lends itself to, to further stuff in the future. We're obviously really busy at this moment in time doing other, all the other things that are coming along with this show. Um, but but by all means, there's you know there's there's definitely scope to continue to write new material here and potentially you since know, you since you put up the it out there as well that you're doing this show and kind of you put up the bits and pieces about the you know, old shows and posters and what have you have you been contacted by people and have people got in touch you you haven't spoke to in a while and been like hey fucking I was at that show and and I remember when you played whatever whatever has that happened yeah loads you know it's being That's boxed a great like, thing. Yeah, it's insane to think, you know, 14 years down the line, people are still actually remembering that, you know, and how I remember the first time I saw Rogan kind of thing. We were standing outside the um, Zanzibar the other day with, with Moses, you know, from um, Joe's other bands. And uh, he was saying the same, and I was just stood there thinking, this is crackers, like, you know, all these people who've, who've aforementioned the bands was, you know, even 
Danny's mentioned to me that, like, you know, Dan from Reaper, even though he's a very young age, he knew who Wogan were, and, like, there was a, a former thrash band called Blood Vera who were around. They were, like, you know, whenever I spoke to, like, Scott or Pato, they were always saying, like, oh, yeah, we used to come and watch the Hogan shows back in the day, and I was just like, wow, these guys are, like, smashing it now, doing their own thing, flying the flag, you know, for the city, doing a great job, releasing albums on Spotify, going on tours, and uh, they're talking about my old project, what I used to have, and it, you know, as if they they were just like made up the, they knew who we were kind of thing. But it was it was quite the other way around as well. I was, I was just like, wow, this is boss. Other people actually know who we are. They remember who we are. And and yeah, there is a vibe, and there is there is a buzz definitely for, for the fact that we're coming back. You know, we've just yeah. got a we've got to deliver now haven't we under pressure well, this, is, this is it like you know you, you, you've more than uh, we hope we all have more than hyped the show up because this i think will be special for all kinds of reasons because there'll be people at that show that haven't seen other people at that show for a long time you know we get to see all those bands who are great in their own right anyway uh you know and then and then this yourself so yeah you, you better fucking be good otherwise you know you're gonna fucking cop a beat and that's what's gonna and, but it's, it. yeah it's it's all a beautiful thing that it's uh, that you could do something and it's cyclical so there'll be people who come into that show who remember you and started a band because you were in a band and that's that's that is probably the most beautiful thing in music that that happens um you know and as as we kind of wrap things up here now it's uh it's it's a it's a nice thing that we could do this. It's a nice thing that we can uh, we can go back. We can kind of go back to projects that we wanted to see, kind of get to where they should have been, you know. And there might have been some missed opportunities. I dare say there were, but now with the the, the way we have the internet and the access that we do, I think that people are going to go and um, and finally get to actually see and hear Ogan, which they've never been able to do before. It's a really unique event. This for all kinds of reasons, but chiefly which being. You're going to get to see some bands that, you know, Ogan was a myth, a legend, if you will, for a long time, where it's like, did it even actually fucking happen? It was that long ago. On the 16th, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, we are actually going to be able to see that. And as much as there will be a tinge of nostalgia, and there most certainly will be, there's also that wonderful thing that great riffs and great songs and, and never die. They just don't die. They're just, they're just as good as they ever were. You know, Metallica still played Whiplash because it's still a fucking great song, you know what I mean? So it's it's for all these reasons, I think this is going to be a, a really special show. Um, it, I dare say you're looking forward to it. I dare say you're nervous. Um, and the 16th of July will be here before we know it. Um, but yeah, it's it's really nice, ladies and gentlemen, to, uh, to say Ogan are back, and you can go and see Ogan at an actual physical show. And, and talk to Andy and be like, I was in the, the, the crowd at that particular stage. And you get to see Joe and fucking Neil in the same band. Brilliant. It's like Vi going into fucking Alcatraz. It's like fucking, it's amazing. He'll love that, Rody. Yeah, so, big time. I can just see, like, you know, Neil's not going to need any coffee after this interview. This will be enough. That's all he's going to have to listen to. But it, it is important that you're mentioning all this about the show. I mean, it is it is important for us to note that sure. every band that's on that that lineup is there for a reason. There's links to Ogan's past with all of them bands yeah. that were there. There were all, you know, other bands that were, you know, we can't invite everyone, unfortunately, for this first show back. But, you know, there's opportunities for the future stuff to go and get involved. There's still people out there. You know, Craig Miles, the former bassist from Ogan, is now playing you know, with Oceanus, 
Um, so we'll be looking maybe in the future to, to link in with them and, you know, um, King Voodoo are out there, which is the remnants of BDV with Ian, Indeed, you know. Yeah. Um, there's still a lot of boss stuff out there, but, you know, there's a lot of thought gone into this show. We're made up, it's happening. It's insane. We've you had you couldn't have wrote this show, could you? You couldn't have wrote the, the whole history that's led you to this. It's like fucking a Game of Thrones thing to where you are now. So all these people shifted into different bands and, and all that to end up where you are now. You know, if, you, if I'd have said to you, and that, you know, when you when you stopped playing with Ogun, that like 10 years later, you'll be doing a show and listed the bands that we, we've just been talking about. What, what Where was your head be there? Would you have been able to even comprehend that? Yeah, I'd say not. It's not happening, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact of the matter is that uh, it is, and it, it, yeah. it will, and it's going to be boss as well. Like you know, uh, as I say, you know, it's just, it's just, yeah. I'm just so humbled that there's still people actually interested and know, you know, who we were and what we were about, and there's still a bit of a vibe going around where people are actually like, shit, I'm, I'm going to get me tickets for that, you know. Uh, in the Zanzibar the other night, I bumped into Shawnee Sean. Uh, he's set up a lot of local gigs, you know, back in the day. It was like uh, punk and metal all day is that we used to play for him back in like venues like the Heaven and Hell Club that was around the back of uh, the Crazy House. Um, I'm sure like he set up our first comeback show in Quiggins in 2006 in the cafe when we actually made the, uh, the first comeback with Danny and Craig as, as the replacement members for the former members who weren't there, when it was myself and Paul Charnock still on, on their vocals, lead guitar. But, uh, yeah, it's boss. It's just mad that, that this opportunity's come around. You know, I, I never thought that mentioning this to Danny in, in a practice room for Rockzilla, you know, playing a few of the old riffs, you know, jamming out Vantage and, like, Human Anatomy, that it would turn into getting, you know, some of the best musicians in the city just all together as part of this band, this project that I had back in the day, and they're all totally on board to come and kick some ass and thrash out with us. And we get to play with Scare Tactics again, who were our first buddies that we ever found in, back in the day, you know, way back when. Um, we'll hopefully see former members from all the other bands that are still knocking around and, and you know... Yeah, as I say, just getting everyone involved. It's just going to be a proper mates fest, I think. It's just going to be yeah. boss. And Joe, you get you get to be part of the band and that you watched play and be part of one of the, the people that helps it come back to life and come back to what it is now. That's, that must be a quality feeling. Yeah, it's amazing. It's uh, as, as I said when I first uh, when we first announced the kind of uh, the reform and the reunion. I put up. A, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about what to even just say on my social media post. I know that I played a couple of shows with them back in the day, but like for, to have such a big reunion after such a long time, you know, this year's the 20th year anniversary of when the band formed, 14 years after the band uh, broke up. You know, it's it's nice to be a like a, a, a key member or a core member of the band and not just filling in on session basement for shows. You know, I've been I've uh, relearned all the songs. I've uh, I've put my own twist on a lot of the songs. I've learned. Um, I'm I'm, I'm going to be doing. Uh, matching a lot of the guitar harmonies so we're going to have three-part harmonies across bass and guitars and it's given me another uh, muscle to flex on bass and learning a little bit more of the galloping skills uh, to go with the thrash and go with the, the down picks so it's uh, it's you know musically it's amazing to be involved in it and also for every other reason as well uh, for you know just being part of such a project that was 
part of my kind of introduction into music, into metal scene, and into playing live, just everything going on in Merseyside, really. Yeah, it's, it's it's this may be this may be the best version of Ogun we see as well. Now this is like the it's all the planets of aligned to make it the, the the best version we could possibly see of this now, which is a great way to put a a, a, a bookmark on on the previous stuff that's gone on. And like I say, now need to maybe more stuff and and then obviously the album, ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna have to get um we'll we'll get the guys on again and we'll get Neil on fuck's sake, we'll get Neil on. And we'll get him on as well. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the album when it comes out because I dare say that that's going to be something that's going to be, I'm, I'm really looking forward to. Um, and ladies and gentlemen, you get the chance to see that as well on the 16th of July. The the lads in Ogun return and it's it's in real life. It's really happening. And if, if there was no other show you, you go to, it's probably, if you're uh, certainly from in and around Liverpool metal scene, this is probably the most one of the most important shows because it is going to be, like Anthony said, it's going to be a total mates fest. It's going to be a whole group of people enjoying metal and some people who started this shit and some people who listened to that shit and made their own shit. And that's why I think it's going to be uh, such a, a great show. I'm really looking forward to it, gents. I know you are too. Um, and uh, thanks for coming on the show and giving us a little bit of your time. Anytime. Yeah, nice one. Yeah, we're always available. Give us a shout. <laughs> Joe there from Ogun, the returning Ogun, and uh, what a nice surprise it was to see and hear that Neil Meller, another friend of the show, is uh, joining the band as well. Just that's a that's a that's a great lineup, and it's a great lineup on the Saturday, sixteenth of July, at the North Shore Troubadour, after a fourteen-year hiatus with Scare Tactics, the wonderful Scare Tactics. We've had them on the show and other friends of the show, Attic Theory and Dan Bibby and the Aesthetic Knobs. All on uh, a, the return of Ogan's show, and it isn't, it isn't like kind of a, a reminiscent type of thing. It's uh, you know, although there will be an element of that. This is an, a start now where we're going to see music from these, and and it's this is a great start. But a lot of as you can see, a lot of friends in the show playing playing this particular show. So I'm really looking forward to it. I hope you got something from that. I hope if you if you have got projects that you haven't uh, that you haven't done anything with, or projects you you wondered about starting again how it was going to work out and why it finished in the first place. And you want to go and try something new. You want to go, you know what? If you want to go start a band, go and start a band. And if it's just you, then it's just you. If it's some of your friends, then it's some of your friends. Go and start these projects. Life is far too short for all this, as we've seen in the past couple of years. Go and start these projects. Start them and start them right now. Stop this podcast. Don't listen to any more. Maybe later. But then go and start those projects. And don't let, don't let things like... That your personal differences get in the way of stuff. Put it all to bed. Music's beyond that. It's about creating something amazing. Go and do that project. Go and finish that thing. I'll go and start that new thing. Do it and do it now. Don't wait for someone to tell you or wait for the signs that it should be the thing you're doing. Go and do that now, and it'll be you'll be better for it. Ogun's a beautiful example of that. Their new music's going to be fantastic. Can't wait to see some new music from Ogun. It's going to be really good, and it's going to be great to see them at the show Saturday. The 16th of July at the North Shore Troubadour, the return of Ogun. Can't wait. I will see you at the show. Let's go. Let's go.